Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, it's Russ and my Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. New channel, please consider subscribing, hitting that bell notification button so you're made aware of any time putting new content on. We have videos going up daily, but sometimes two, three times a day. And every interview, every memory, every player we speak about is, is personal to that person. And everyone's, every story is unique. So make sure you hit that bell so you don't miss any of the stories coming up. Loads of great guests, loads of great fans, including today's fan, lifelong hammer, Brian Williams. Hi Brian, how are you, man? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. How Probably better, you... in a better state than the team, I think, at the moment. <laughs> and so it begins, indeed, indeed. How I know, I know, everyone asks the same question, but but how's lockdown treating you, Ryan? Well, not too bad, actually. Um, I've been quite busy working from home. I do some uh, work for the National Union of Journalists, which I'm able to do from home. Uh, having retired from journalism itself a couple of years ago, uh, I now make mischief on behalf of other uh, union members who uh, who need help, which, as you can imagine at the moment, are quite a few. So yeah. I've been keeping surprisingly busy for a man imagine. who's supposedly retired. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I can. But also, you know, from a... Um, from a sort of a, a journalist and obviously people are consuming much more news than they did before everything kicked off. Um, and so, you know, it, I was reading today, you know, sort of newspaper readership uh, and online newspaper readership has gone like through the roof um, in the last three months. Yep. No, it has. Unfortunately, the advertising that goes with it, no, that basically yes. pays for it has gone through the floor. So yeah. the, like every other industry, it's going to be interesting to see how it recovers from this as and when, but um, I guess, I mean, however much people would like journalists to go away, and, and often they do, uh, we, we tend to stick around one way or another. Yeah, no, I know. won't come into your door soon. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. But, that, but you're right. I mean, it's um, I, when, I, when I'm not doing this, um, my, I, I work for a, a market research company in, who are part of a big PR media organisation. So, you know, I'm always keeping, a, keeping an eye on... A, on how, how, the, how the press is doing and stuff because it's, uh, it's our business basically as well. It's a lot of, sort of new generation pieces as well. Um, anyway, <laughs> people haven't tuned in to talk about, talk about <laughs> that. But so we're, we're sad. And that's the idea of the channel, Brian, is, you know, as you said, it's, 
it's not it's not great times at the moment to be a West Ham fan, but has it ever been? Probably in your time it might have been, to be fair. Um, but but we sort of get these stories and find out about people's uh, journeys into West Ham and obviously the players that might have meant something or that might not have meant something to them. Um, so for you, Brian, why West Ham? Why was well, it your club? That's a good question. I mean, I'm not an East Ender myself. Uh, I adopted them uh, as a seven-year-old in the run-up to the 1964 Cup Final. I actually hailed from West London before moving down to a new town called Bracknell to the west of London. So it wasn't West Ham territory at all. But uh, for some reason, I adopted them before the semi-final against Man U. They supposedly had no chance. Um, And I've been with them ever since through... (laughs) Well, I was going to say thick and thin, but it's more thin and thin, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not being funny. When you when you started, that was probably the, you know, that, that wasn't that was probably the golden era, really, in, in modern West Ham history, sort of the sixties and seventies and eighty and early sort of mid mid eighties. Um, and so, you know, you know, it, it's quite funny how the story. Some obviously a lot of people are are born into it by a geographical location. Um, I interviewed one guy the other day. I think it was Nigel, actually, Nigel King who just saw West Ham on match of the day. Like when he's that, when he's on and his granddad said, what team right. do you support? Uh, that right. one. Uh, <laughs> it could have been any team. It could have been Chelsea. It could have been Man City. It could have been, you know, God forbid it was West Ham. Um, and, and it's quite well, funny how those stories happen. I would say in defense of my East End credentials, I did marry into an East End family. Okay, uh, and uh, today, in fact, it's my 32nd wedding anniversary. Oh, so I'm, uh, I'm still technically, uh, Married at least to uh, to EastEnders, <laughs> and if not one myself. And it's nice to know you're 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 spending your your wedding anniversary, you know, away from your wife talking about West Ham. So it's probably no different then from the other thirty one years, to be honest. <laughs> I'll uh, be very careful what I say there. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly, and it's funny, isn't it? It's funny how West Ham sort of gets into the fabric of your clothes. Do you know what I mean? Like things like is it people you meet? Um, obviously, you know, you you sort of meet loads of people, particularly now not not uh physically but virtually um on on facebook and twitter and, and things like that and the whole sort of west ham community has seemed to sort of like has thrived really in the sort of the lockdown you know it does seem that there's lots of messages and support coming from the various groups to each other it's, it's lovely to see yes no it, it and it does uh obviously as you say it spreads out doesn't it it's like a, a stone you drop it in the pond and the ripples spread out and you meet all sorts of fantastic people and when you're despairing of the club itself and, and how yeah. it's run and various other bits that uh, some of us maybe are not so keen on, the, yeah. the, the friends you make and the, you know, the, the West Ham community is, is something really special. No, you're right. We're not here for the football. If you were no, here no, for the... <laughs> not for bit. <laughs> very, very, very wrong decision if you were. But that, again, I think that's, that's sort of why I think the, the, the family and the community, the West Ham sort of groups are sort of, they have this sort of, I don't know, it's this sort of like, it is a bit like the old East End spirit. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, you know, mucking together. We know we're not going to win, but we'll have a good time. And as, as soon as everyone gets back, is is better in terms of, you know, being able to see the games live and with each other. I've been invited to several Zoom parties, watch along Zoom parties, which have been quite interesting, to be honest, because, you know... Um, it's been great and this whole channel because obviously you came from recommendations from others and they came from recommendations and it's just it's just it's lovely to to speak to so many different people who i normally wouldn't have spoken to if we didn't have the pandemic to be perfectly honest um and and it's really sort of been been nice to sort of talk about these memories so do you remember your first game brian 
your first oh yeah yeah very clearly which actually wasn't at upton park it was at stanford bridge again with the west london connection yeah, i've been pestering um various family members who were generally not interested in football to take me uh, and in the end i got put on a coach to a works outing for uh, a chelsea v uh, west ham game at stanford bridge which uh, happily we won 3-1 <laughs> Uh, I can remember it as if it were yesterday. Really? And, uh, it was, you know, if I hadn't been uh, addicted already, I, you know, I certainly was after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like to think I still would have been, even if we'd lost three one. But uh, well, I mean, if you lost three one, it would set you in good stead for the rest of the yeah. It would have. Yes. Well, that was the trouble, really. It kind of gave me a false hope for the uh, the following fifty odd years. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, sixty. You know, obviously, the, the success of sixty four, and then the cup winners, and the World Cup, and you know, it was like you must have thinking, this is it. This is easy. This is great. And then, sort of, probably from the mid eighties onwards, it went a little bit in decline. Yeah. Well, after eighty six, things did. Uh, go downhill a bit but uh, yeah don't, don't forget that said i mean obviously those early years were fantastic but yeah. um i you know west ham did manage to get themselves relegated with yeah. uh, a couple of sides that you thought they're too good to go down and of course we've uh, we've actually done that five times in in my uh, my life and what i've done with my 11 is to go through those teams and those squads and pick out from those those squads a team that really I think is too good to go down. Yeah. Love, love the segue, Brian. Love the segue. That was brilliant. I didn't need to do it. And that's what we're doing. So obviously we're, we're talking for Brian. He's, he was, he's put his great idea, his, his new, very unique um, theme together. So I'm really looking forward to it. So go on then, let's go for these too good to go down, Brian 11. Who is in goal? Who's between the sticks for this team? Well, what I did was um, I went through as I say, the, the various squads and divided them into basically three, three categories. There was, there was no chance. There was, I've seen worse and in with a shout. Now, for the keepers I've seen in, again, these are relegation sides, remember. Uh, Alan McKnight was an absolute stonewall. Yeah. Worst goalkeeper I've ever seen. Now, I owe Alan McKnight a huge apology. I've given him dog's abuse for years uh, as being the worst West Ham goalkeeper. I said confidently we would never see anyone worse in goal than Alan McKnight. And like so many other things in life, I've been proved horribly wrong with Mr. Roberto, who quite honestly, if he can play in goal for West Ham, so can I. I mean, really. So, Alan, if you're watching this, apologies, my friend. I really, (laughs) I take it all back. (laughs) My, um, my, I've seen worse keepers in all of this. Bobby Ferguson... Yeah. Mervyn Day and Calamity James, all of whom played in relegation squads. And the, the three who are in with a shout for the actual position are Aludo, of course, Rob Green, who was a fantastic goalkeeper, yeah. and, uh, and Phil Parks. And uh, it's no secret, probably anybody who knows me, is that Phil Parks uh, gets the gig. I mean, he was an absolutely fantastic goalkeeper. Uh, anybody who's ever met him will tell you what a nice guy he is. Exactly. But what I would just like to put out a quick shout to to Mrs. Parks, Lavinia, who is an absolutely lovely lady. And if you ever want to uh, see the truth of that thing behind every great man lies a great woman, have a chat with Lavinia. Mm-hmm. I mean, the story she's got about Phil's early career, uh, the things they had to put up with, what it's like with a young family when your old man is a professional footballer. Mm. Christmas, for example, you know, he's off to play an away game, maybe on Boxing Day. 
uh, I had the pleasure of meeting her and having a long chat with her a couple of years ago and uh, it was fascinating. She's a lovely lady, so Lavinia, every West Ham fan knows you a, a, aggressive attitude, uh, a debt of gratitude. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, no, yeah, totally. And the, the, the whole Parks family are lovely. But we're getting Marie on soon as well. So um, that'd be good fun. Uh, all right, we'll put Mr. Parks in. This is brilliant. I'm loving this already, bro. You've only just put one, one position in. Um, let, let, let's, go, let's go left back, if, if that's okay with you. Left back, certainly. Well, my, um, my no chance is there. Mitchell Thomas, Rufus Brevet, Wayne Bridge, not... Big fans. I mean, I've never played professional football. Perhaps I shouldn't really call them out, but my God, <laughs> they weren't the best. Now, Nigel Winterburn, when he did come to us, of course, you know, he'd had a fantastic career, mm. had been a great player in his day. He's in my uh, I've seen worst category. But the end of the shout came down to, to three, came down to Julian Dix, uh, Frank Lampard and George Paris, who uh, partly sure. because George is a fellow columnist on Blowing Bubbles magazine, which yes. uh, I'm right for, and I feel it's only right I get a plug in for. <laughs> he's also an absolute top fellow. He's yeah. a really nice guy. Now, I really struggled with this. Um, and in the end, I thought on the grounds that every team needs a full-on psychopath, I've gone for Julian Dixon. Yeah. He was... Um, well, what can you say about yeah. Julian Dix? Um, I mean, apart from being obviously a fantastic penalty taker, mm-hmm. a far better player than he was ever given credit for. Definitely. Uh, he did occasionally have the odd rush of blood to the head, it's mm-hmm. fair to say. Some of the challenges he put in, I mean, you could feel the chicken run shake while you know, he was standing in there. It was, I've seen grown men uh, look away, you know, in, in wince in horror as some of those challenges went in. And you just knew on a wet Tuesday night, when other people weren't so interested, Dixie would be there. Yeah. Um, I mean, Frank Lampard was was a brilliant player, and it was a real, real tough shout between the two of them. But I decided in the end, Dixie got yeah. the shout. No, good shout. No, I, I agree, and, and I, I'm I, I totally um, second everything you say there. In terms of, I think outside of West Ham, he wasn't regarded as a good footballer. Do you know? But inside, all the West Ham fans knew how much of a fantastic player he was. And Travis, well, it was a great thing, wasn't it? When when he went, you know, Liverpool came in for yeah. him, and he went to Liverpool for that spell. Um, you know, a pretty well known fact, I know. But of course, the last player to score a goal in front of the cop before, uh, you know, while it was still standing. Yeah. And he played well for Liverpool. And yeah. I mean, at the time, there was a story that there were a group of 40 or 50 real diehard Julian Dix fans who went up to watch him play for Liverpool rather than uh, go and watch West Ham. But how true that is, I don't know. But he is one of those characters who yeah. you can believe the happening of. I oh, mean, totally. he, you know, he was, you know, charismatic, fantastic player. And, uh, you know, you just knew his heart was in the club. Yeah, totally. No, I, I I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I can I can so imagine people, you know, following Julian Dix rather than the club just because. Well, uh, uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're probably probably at West Brom at the moment, you know, sitting outside <laughs> the Hawthorns. Right, we put Julian in. Uh, let's let's go the other side. Let's go the right back position then, Brian. Okay, right back. Well, my my no chance uh, player there is is Repka. Now, I know that he, there are a lot of people who like Tommy Gunn, but I mean, he was a headbanger of the first war, and of course, still yeah. is. I mean, we. Even more so, yeah. Yeah, probably best not for legal reasons to go into his post football career <laughs> and uh, where he is now, which I believe is in a Czechoslovakian jail somewhere. So. But he's, he's on the um, <laughs> he's on the no chance list. Now, my um, 
seen worse. John McDowell, Tim Breaker, Kenny Brown, liked all of those, liked them a lot, you know, yeah. real sort of loyal club players. The final three I got down to, all club legends, Billy Bonds, Steve Potts, Ray Stewart. Now, a lot of people may say, Billy Bonds are right back. Well, because that's where he started out yeah. for us. And that was where he was playing in that first game at Chelsea that I mentioned earlier. He was he was right back that day. So uh, that was his first season at the club. So me and Billy go back. <laughs> his contribution to the club is somewhat greater than mine, uh, I hasten to add. Uh, Steve Potts, of course, what can you say about Steve Potts? A, a true, true club legend. Um, fantastic player, played all along that back four, mm. never let West Ham down. No. Got the, uh, the screaming goal against Hull, of course, that those of us who were there will never forget. <laughs> uh, look it up on YouTube, by the way, if you've exactly. not seen it. Yeah. Um, but I actually, in the end, went for, for Ray Stewart. Tom, uh, yeah. Partly because... I mean, again, he was a terrific player, but his ability to take a penalty uh, was mm. second to none. And I'd sort of had a real dilemma about West Ham penalties ever since uh, the terrible, terrible night. Then Gordon Banks saved the penalty from Jeff Hurst in the League Cup semi-final. And I was on the North Bank right behind that. And I was never quite the same again. <laughs> I mean, Jeff Hurst, in my book, never missed a penalty. It yeah. was in the back of the net and we were off to Wembley and of course Gordon Banks had other ideas and um, it shattered my faith in human nature to be honest and certainly in West Ham penalty takers and then along came Tonga and um, all was well again he, yeah. you know he knew he put the ball on the spot you just knew where it was going he was fantastic and of course the penalty you took in the uh, what was it a quarter final against Villa wasn't it yes um, yeah yeah, yeah. Last, absolute last knockings um if we hadn't beaten Villa, it was nil-nil at the time, they were a really good side. And I think if we'd have gone to Villa Park, we wouldn't have won at their place. Mm. He put the ball down, bang, that was it. And um, semi-final and the cup. And the rest was history, yeah, exactly. And Yeah, it's, it's yeah, I mean, obviously, and, and you know, he's still... Obviously, he still gets to be interviewed quite a lot on the pitch, don't we, at, at the London Stadium? And uh, he's always a lovely guy as well. Like, really, I mean, I've had a pleasure. I mean, obviously, by doing this channel, I've obviously been lucky enough to get a lot of players' phone numbers, and so I've been texting them. And, for, and to to raise credit, he phoned me up and he he said, "Well, like, well, obviously, I could barely understand him in his Scottish accent, but it was, <laughs> <laughs> he he basically said, look, I'm, I, you know, I'm not ignoring you, Russ, but I don't like doing Zoom calls. Can we do it when?'" We go back to London Stadium. Like, yeah, of course we can. And then we proceed to talk about West Ham, the current uh, the current team and stuff, um, for about an hour on the phone. Um, and he didn't have to do that. You know, he could have just sent me a text or whatever, but he did that. And then he signed it off in, uh, you know, such a Scottish way. He went, oh, Russ, I've really got to go now because the tea bags have just dried on the washing line. I've got to bring them in. <laughs> like, Brilliant. But what, and he's such a lovely guy as well. But yeah, put Tonka in. Um, let's go centre-halves. Then, Brian, who's your first centre-half? Right. Well, they kind of go as a bit of a pair, really. Yeah, no um, So, how about this for, for a no-chance list? There'll be some uh, grown men probably sobbing when they get to the end of this. I've got <laughs> Bill Green, for those of you with long memories. Mick McGiven, who was uh, a bit shaky. Paul Hilton, Gary Strodder, and Gary Breen. My goodness, Gary oh, my Breen. God, there, was a, there was a player. And of course, Matthew Upson. Now, Matthew yeah. Upson was not 
the worst player ever, but he just was not interested in West Ham, was he? And in that season, 2010 and 11, when we went down, he just went missing. And it was amazing how many reports you read about West Ham describe Scott Parker as club captain. Yeah, and yeah. to all intents and purposes, he was. But you know, technically, he wasn't. And Upston, I don't know, never been a... <laughs> no, I think when I, when I when I finally write my memoirs, I've got a good Matt Upson story. I can't tell, but when I write my memoirs, I will be saying that story about Matt Upson. From an email, season. I'd be interested to. Yeah, read. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, yeah, I know what you mean. He was he was he just went missing, didn't he, towards that last that season completely. But of course, we've had lots of you know very you know decent sent half Tommy Taylor, Kevin Locke. I mean, of course, he was the guy who was going to follow Bobby Moore. You know, no, <laughs> not. Not much of a not pressure. Almost a follow there, eh? Um, and Tom Ferdinand, um, of course, Rio can't be included because he was never in the side that uh, got relegated. So he, he was good and he was too good to go down. Ian Pierce, Colin Foster, Winston Reed, Danny Gabidon, and of course, James Tompkins, who was also a, a bit of a favourite of mine who you yeah. know, came up through the academy. However, my in with a shout are. Um, this is who I picked from. Bonzo again, of course, Steve Potts, Christian Daly, who didn't love Christian Daly, exactly. Alvin Martin and Tony Gale. And in the end, as I say, I think you've got to pick the pair of them together for yeah. no, if 86, if no other reason. Yeah. And it's Alvin Martin and Tony Gale. Yeah, Stretch and Reg, as I know they're called now. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I think when I started interviewing these players, I didn't know any of their nicknames. It's not like in a journal or anything. It's not like on Wikipedia. So, you know, when Tony goes, yeah, I'm going to put Stretch in. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, you're right. And, it, and it's incredible going through, the, going through those players. They got relegated. And it's like, this is brilliant. I'm loving this boy. He's absolutely fantastic. Right. Okay. We'll put. Well, there are some genuine, you know, yeah. obviously there are, no, there are no World Cup winners in this no. because none of those were in relegated sides no. but the you know actual real legends you've got Bonds, Brookin, Parks, Devonshire, yeah. Martin, Potts, Dix, Ray Stewart, Paolo Di Canio, Frank McAvenny, Frank Lampard, Mark Noble you know I mean there's some decent players to choose from and yeah. that's before you get down to the Lee and Brady's, Carrick's, Winterburn's, Scott Parker's, Bob Robson's and so on and so forth oh, so God, yeah. there are a lot of players who have been very very good for us and still found themselves at the wrong end of the table yeah. at the end of the season. Right. Okay. Brilliant. Let's let's go into midfield then, Brian. Let's go uh, left left midfield, left wing. Well, left midfield for me is Alan Devonshire. Yeah. Uh, just again, um, brilliant player to watch. Uh, absolutely class player. You know, watching him dribble the ball. I don't think I've I've seen many better, if any. Yeah. Um, Obviously, got him from non-league football. One of the great bargains as well that West Ham had. Utterly loyal to you know to the club. And um, if Fallon Devonshire doesn't make anybody's West Ham side, they need to go away and have a word with themselves. Is all I can say. You're right. I mean, people of of, of that of people who are obviously fortunate enough to see him play. He's always in there, to be honest. But, you know, obviously, uh, that's what's quite a nice, just generational thing. Because uh, otherwise, you'll get, if you had like a dream 11, everyone would pick almost identically the same 11 players. It'd be, be quite boring after 10, let alone almost 100 interviews we've had so far. Of course. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, but you're right. And Devon, you know, and what's been quite nice as a learning process for me is I wasn't around to see the boys of 86. You know, I started really going about 92 uh, when I was old enough. So, 
going back and listening, you know, finding out all these and YouTubing and Wikipediaing all these players, you know, like John Charles and and people like that, who I, you know, I had no recollection. I didn't know of them. It's really like learning a lot more of this history of West Ham, which I don't think I had an appreciation of. And people like Dev, everyone talks of it so highly. All the players I interviewed talk about him so highly. So again, going back and seeing him and obviously the, the two different Devs, the sort of pre-injury and post-injury yeah, were two yeah. very, and having a player to reinvent, that would never happen now. You know, like I always look at someone like Michael Owen, who relied heavily on his pace. He got injured and from then on he was the same, wasn't the same player because he couldn't. Now Dev was his flying winger by all accounts and, until the injury. Then he had to change and become this incredibly skillful player. Um, that doesn't happen anymore now. Once they get an injury, they're no. done, aren't they really? They're too soft nowadays. These, these, well, while we're on the subject of Alan Devonshire, there he is on the front copy of a, uh, a West Ham programme. Yeah. Uh, and that this, again, is from another relegation season. And uh, the reason that I'm so fond of this programme is that it's one of the finest bits of football analysis I've ever heard while sitting in the stands. Uh, we were playing Tottenham that day. It was the week before Christmas. It was a relegation season. We were shocking, and we kind of all knew that we were going down. Yeah. Now, uh, sitting in front of me and my wife uh, were a couple of old boys who were complaining quite uh, loudly as to just how you know bad West Ham yeah. are. You know what it's like, football people sitting in front of you. Uh, you know, you you can't help but sometimes listening to their yeah, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, and I'll, I'll sort of um, keep the language rather less industrial than it was at the time. But uh, one bloke turned to his mate and basically said that West Ham were uh, either has-beens or, well, let's say merchant bankers, shall we? Yes, and he then went, sure. through, went through the side and listed them one by one. And I can remember it to this day. I can still basically hear him say it. McKnight, banker. Yeah. Potts, has-been. Paris, banker. Gale has been, Martin has been, Devonshire has been, Brady has been, Kelly banker, Rossignol banker, Dickens banker, and the only one in the side who he didn't um, <laughs> thus describe was a Paul Ince who used to play for us back then. Who you yeah. may have heard of? Who I suspect doesn't make many people's favourite no. tips for a number of reasons. But uh, anyway, so Brilliant. poor old Devo at that stage was. Um, suffering badly with you know with injury yeah. as you know were, were a number of them which is why we got relegated that season. Yeah. But, who, uh, who needs the sun ratings where you can just have the banker or has been rating i think that's perfect now well my <laughs> wife and i still basically you know that that is is our uh, you know our measure of yeah, uh, down the team. To one, one category or the other <laughs> love it certainly <laughs> certainly the present lot do yeah, well yeah <laughs> <laughs> Less said about that, the better. Uh, right, okay. Let's go. Let's go right midfield. Let's go the other side. Here we've got the other side. Could I come back to that because that's a bit of a surprise pick? Yeah, the, go for it. Um, you, I mean, you talk let, about who you want to talk about next. Let, let's do the the, the middle pair again. It. Are uh, they go together? Which yeah. is, is Brooking and Bonds. Mm. Uh, what is then you know to say more about Trevor Brooking or Billy Bonds um, in? I mean, Billy Bonzi is my all-time favourite West Ham player. Sure. And in one of the books I wrote about West Ham, I actually wrote a chapter as a, an open letter to, to Billy Bonds. And I hope he gets to read it one day anyway, because um, he was fantastic. You know, I yeah. mean, he really just 
it epitomised everything, personified everything that West Ham is all about. Uh, and Trevor Brooking, likewise, you know, what, what a fantastic pair of ambassadors for the club they've been. They, uh, and I, anybody, I'm sure, who is of you know, a similar vintage will have both of those Yes. in their side. I mean, of course, with Bonzo, of course, he went on for so long that a lot of generations won't have seen him, yeah. Yeah, and Brooking as well, you know, I mean, look at, you yeah. know, the, the players he played with, you know, across his career at West Ham and, you know, he could have, obviously, when we went, when we went down and he stayed with the club and was still playing for England and never... Yes, well, that. that's kind of true of a number of, you know, these is the loyalty that they've shown mm to the club and obviously there are a lot of good midfielders who haven't made my 11 and you know Paolo Di Canio for example I'm sure a lot of people will be going my god why isn't Di Canio in there um you've got all sorts of great players who I mean Michael Carrick was a terrific player mm -hmm. Joe Cole um but that is that loyalty thing I think that, mm -hmm. that counts a lot with me as it as I obviously it does with so many West Ham mm -hmm. fans no, Which is partly the reason for my right-sided midfielder, okay. who is kind of the possibly the archetypal loyal club player, and that's Patsy Holland. Yeah. Who, um, he, he obviously he's not the greatest player technically West Ham have yep. ever had, but I don't think anybody's ever tried harder than, than Patsy. Uh, what was it three hundred and fifty games? I think Something he played like that, for yeah. us. Uh, he, he was not the most confident character either. You know, he suffered apparently with, you know, kind of with nerves and self-doubt and to turn out uh, and play, you know, first division football and, of course, was with us in the second division as well. You know, must take quite something there. You know, I mean, most footballers come over as quite sort of cocky, don't they, and full of themselves. And I think perhaps he struggled a bit sometimes with his self-confidence. But he gave 100%, you know, to an absolutely terrific player. And um, it's quite an interesting little couple of stories with, with, with Patsy Holland as well, that um, his first goal for West Ham was actually Jimmy Greaves' home debut. I mean, everybody remembers, uh, again, of, of, of my generation, Greaves' yeah. uh, debut itself at, at Main Road and uh, the two goals and the mud and the, the boys' goal. But his, his first... Uh, home appearance was against Liverpool and Patsy Holland was picked for that and apparently he turned his ankle having a kickabout with his mates uh, a couple of the a couple of days beforehand and thought he was going to get uh, get dropped and he probably would have done if uh, if he told the boss but he didn't he um, he hobbled on he, he got fixed up and and played and actually scored the winner okay. in that game in a 1-0 game against Liverpool which was uh, was a cracking Cracking game. And, of course, he then, you know, stuck with us in, in the relegation years. Yeah. And um, his final game was the game, I think, against Notts County, who went the year we came second and they won. But he got a vital goal at their place that basically ensured we we went up. So he's very much part of the fabric of, of the West Ham story, you know, both up and down. So he... Patsy Holland for me on the right side. And again, if you're any YouTubers out there, have a look at a goal he scored against Hereford in the FA Cup, which yeah. um, is, a, is a belter. All right, I'm going to make a note of that.
And I believe he says when he checks his, I always have my spreadsheet open. I haven't had my spreadsheet open today. I must apologize. Uh, I believe that might be the first time Patsy Holland's come up, I think, in conversation. And let's have a look. He says when he quick waits for his Excel to open, uh, Patsy Holland. No, sorry. Second time he's come up. Second time he's come up. (laughs) But but still, yeah, you're right. And then again, that's, again, that's a great reason why we do this channel. So players like Patsy Holland and there's a few others who have come up like who I've never heard of, um, particularly when I interview, I think it was Jim Baker. Um, and it was like, he had Ernie Gregory and people like that who I'd never, you know, I'd never heard right. of. And so, you know, it's yeah. pretty funny with these extra play and they're getting their sort of their time to shine again. Do you know what I mean? Into the modern era when there's so many football players. Okay. We'll put Patsy Holland in. Well, right. I, know, I know you had Jeff Pike on a while back. Yeah. And, Pike, yeah, and he, yeah. You know, he, he's very much out of, you know, that, that same ilk, you know, fantastic club servant, you know, yeah. gave a hundred plus percent every time, a fantastic player. And, yeah. and in many ways, Pats is in there as, as, as a tribute to all of them. He's the unsung hero player. Yeah, no, I agree. I know what you mean. Every yeah. side needs, I think. Yeah, totally. We had, um, who do I interview? It hasn't come up yet. It'll be, it'll be out before your one comes up. I think it's Bob, uh, Bobby Barnes. Uh, oh, and, right. and he put, he put Pikey in, um, for that exact reason, you know, he's sort of an unsung hero. Uh, and I, and I totally agree. And uh, there's lots of them, unfortunately, you know, like in, in the modern day era for me, people like Hayden Mullins, you know, he, he yeah. did a lot of hard work, but he, you know, yeah, he's, yeah. he's not apples and pears you compare them to, but in the modern era and stuff. And, uh, and people like Tim Breaker, I never really appreciated when I was a young lad watching back again. Um, didn't realize how good he was. And, Actually, when I interviewed him, I, I apologised for not rating him when I was when I was oh, ten. Yeah. He was like, "Oh, I think get over that, Russ." But no, I, that, that's really useful. Okay, we'll put uh, Patsy Holland in. Let's well, go I, up I, front. I, I certainly agree agree with you with Hayden Mullins, and I it's my lifelong belief that if he'd been playing in a cup final against Liverpool, we'd have won that game. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I remember that. I remember that game. Really. Yeah. Was, they was... both they both did they both got sent off, didn't they? Them and him and uh, yeah. Harry Garcia. They both yeah. got um, done and. and all the Liverpool, ah, oh, we were like, oh, because oh, I think it was harsher on us because Mullins oh, was so I'm integral. Sure. Absolutely, it was absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, I think you know every team needs a Hayden Mullins. So could, yeah, could do with a couple now, to be honest. But yeah, all right, we'll put Patsy in. Let's go up front and then Brian. Who have you got up front? Okay, well, um, I've gone for a big one and a little one, <laughs> and um, my little one is is he wants a little actually was was Pop Robson, yeah, who uh, was. Terrific, and it was it was such a shame that Robson and Hurst did not have a longer mm. period out front together than they did. They would yeah. they would have been unstoppable. Pop came basically the season before they had one and a half seasons together, um, and then Jeff Hurst went at the end of what seventy two, and um, Robson stayed, of course, scored goals for fun, including some you know terrific goals as well. He, he just had that ability to score from, from anywhere. And mm. uh, in his early days, there were a couple of goals he scored against Man U at Upton Park. Now, you're always going to love a West Ham striker who scores goals against it's always Man United. Yeah. It never fails to please, does yeah. it? But uh, Pop was, he was really special. And, you know, again, he's one of those players, I think, that never got the credit really outside of those clubs he played for that he really Agreed. deserved. Yeah. Um, and obviously he was three times, I think, with, with Sunderland, twice with us. Uh, and I think those who sort of saw him and, and saw him play week in, week out really did rate him. He mm. was he, he was extra special. No, I agree. And I think 
I can't remember what, I think it was one of the ex-players put to, that Pop Robson was basically his idol. And, and again, you know, I was like, what? And, you know, because again, it's a player I never really know. Then go back and see some of the goals he scored. Yeah, he was a hell of a player. That was, that was sure. Um, right, okay, we'll put Pop in. Uh, and who's he going to partner him? Who's well, the last piece? This, um, there's, a, there's a bit of a link actually with, uh, with Pop in that um, Pop Robson scored a hat-trick against Millwall. Uh, in uh, one of our seasons down there and I didn't know this until I looked it up but my other striker was playing in the same game with him which is David Cross and uh, again probably not everybody's first choice but he was he really put himself around for West Ham and in many ways his finest moment of course was the 1980 cup final when he played up front Uh, this would be the indeed in the 1980 cup final against yep. Arsenal of course um, and he was asked to play lone striker he was he was brilliant that day as were yeah. the rest of the side uh, and he again scored regularly he was there you know he was at the club in a relegation he, he came uh, in in the what was it we went down in 77 yeah that's right he came sure. in 77 and was there we got relegated that season. He was there for the three years that we were down in the second division. Yeah. Uh, of course, leading goal scorer in the yeah. uh, in the division in the year we won the cup, and again scored quite regularly when we were back in the first division. Mm. He, uh, sorry, I think I may have just sorry? my is camera it? there slightly <laughs> with the <laughs> the excitement of the badge, <laughs> but um, yeah, Cross was David Cross was uh, our own true psycho. Of course, was yeah. uh, a. a yeah, he deserves his place up front, I think. And him and Pop Robson, um, with the rest behind him, I reckon they're too good to go down. Yeah, definitely. And it was, I think it was David Cross that said Pop Robson because he was like, it was like his dream to play with him uh, right. when they played together. So that's, it's when you, I couldn't think who it was. Then he said David Cross. I said, I'm 99% sure he said it, Pop Robson right. was, was his hit with his idol. But um, yeah, no, too good to go down. It, it, when you look at that, it's incredible, isn't it? You know, they all got, <laughs> they got relegated in some time in their West Ham career. But uh, as you said, too good to go down. Brian, it's been brilliant. Thank you so much. All, all the effort you've got into it is, 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 is brilliant. Thank you. And, and everyone will appreciate that because everyone loves a theme on this channel, that's for sure. So thank you very much for your time. I appreciate that. My pleasure. And obviously, thank you to everyone for watching. Um, you know, like, share, subscribe. Um, keep the messages coming in. I read everyone. I'm very humbled by all the support for the channel. And until next time, everybody, for me and Brian, take care, everyone. Stay safe. And we'll see you again very, very soon. See you later, guys. Bye-bye. Cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.